This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, folks, once again, you're at the show that never seems to end the DLR Cast, the only artisanal, all American, all natural, 100% something free. I'm Steve, along with my good friend Darren here. Darren, what's happening? We got another cool podcast episode, a bunch of things bouncing around the news, a bunch of things we're trying to figure out that what Dave is up to and doing. Let's get after it, my friend. Yeah, it's one of those things where we've had episodes where it's like, what are we going to talk about? Okay, how can we sidebar for 45 minutes? (laughs) In this case, there's so many little tidbits, not just because of the news, but because we just have a fantastic listener base who listened to the last episode and offered up a bunch of corrections and how did you guys not know this kind of (laughs) stuff so it's you don't know if you want to call it a quick hits thing but then dave did put out another episode or two of the show since our last episode so rather than making this a three and a half hour extravaganza I think we'll play it by ear as to what gets 20 seconds of mention and what gets 10 seconds of ranting from yours truly. Love it. Love it. So where do we begin? Uh, Well, okay. We are in the middle of February and last week was the Super Bowl. Did you hear Panama play during the fourth quarter of the game? I did. I did. I loved it. I was like, there you go. There's a good music supervisor out there. Smart, smart move, of course. Yeah. So wouldn't you think if you're a band trying to prove its relevance, you'd then tweet it out and go, hey, thanks, NFL. Um, we were hurt on the Super Bowl. 50 years of rock. <laughs> In a perfect world. Yes, you would. Although there is some Van Halen news, we should say, as far as music. So and that I saw the was it live? Uh, was it live without a net is coming out on vinyl? I thought it was right here, right now. Oh, sorry, right here, right now. Yes, the three vinyl set, if I recall. You sending me the press release and taking a look at that. It looks like a great package. Good for them. I mean, I don't necessarily understand why they... I didn't fully read the press release. I don't remember if there was some... Yeah. Is there a significant anniversary around it, or they just said this is the this is the time to do it? I think it would be... It was never on vinyl before. I know that. I think it was in 1993. Recording and or release, which would make it 30 years... And I believe there's three previously unreleased audio tracks that were on the video of it. And it was remastered and yada, yada, yada. Better than ever. The greatest ever. But we know that it's not really a live album. Right, right. Sammy's book. Well, we're digressing here. So let's get into the various corrections and different things. Okay. Well, because I love I I love finding out new stuff. That's what keeps this whole little engine running here. Well, two of them came from Carwell Parazzo, who, who is usually the first person to comment in our videos, and he sent forty minutes of Dave dog training. I <laughs> I have to admit I couldn't watch more than ten seconds of it. Uh, did Did you dig into it? it no offense, Carlo, but dogs, I, you know. I started to. This was the this was the craziest week for me to look into anything outside of uh, outside of just like work stuff and a bunch of other stuff all hitting the fan at once. But I but I I do remember, though, I remember seeing a bunch of stuff. Was it on one of the versions of David Lee Roth dot com or maybe there was there was I've seen video of him doing the dog stuff where the dog uh, where uh, I forgot the dog's name for a second. Is this the same dog? Russ, the same dog, right? Russ. Uh, Russ the Border Collie in competitions, Dave doing the whistle thing. And there's one I remember where, and forgive me if this is what 
Carlos sent us, but there was one where Dave kind of got uh, almost tackled by a sheep. Do you yes. remember this in slow yes. motion? So there was a lot of footage out there. I don't know if this is the same thing, but at the time I found it totally fascinating because you see something in once again here again it's dave taking something fully to the hilt he's not only going to be a great dog owner but he gets a, one of the smartest dogs around a border collie and trains this thing for competitions yes. i mean do you know what i'm saying this is full tilt dave in everything that he does and to the best of my knowledge i don't think he's got he got another dog russ was yeah. in videos he was in, was in some van halen videos uh, for the reformation, uh, you know, when they reformed, was it yeah. not even in the tattoo video, I think, yes. or yes. So he was around for a good long while, but since then, and here, this is something where just a bigger rant here issue, but put a pin in this. Okay. I'd love to hear some stories about that on the podcast. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, taking it really into the nitty gritty, when I was at the peak of my looking to see what Dave has trademarked, registered i think the name of his corporation is russ world llc in other words he stopped using diamond dave productions and diamond dave llc and diamond dave touring for so much and it became russ world that he was trademarking this stuff and so obviously that dog meant a lot to him but as a person who dogs have always barked at yeah <laughs> the, Me too. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. The, the the dogs smell fear on people. I would not be good with horses because horses can smell fear. Dogs just know to start barking at me. So uh, I I don't want Russ in the video to start barking at me. So thanks to Carlo for that. But the other thing that Carlo sent that I watched the whole thing of was a random Howard Stern episode from the 2010s that was clarifying. Howard's then status with Dave. Did you dig into I that? I did listen to that, yes. And it was a lot to get to because that era of Howard Stern is, of course, sidebarring with Ronnie the Limo Driver and Ahmed and Shuli and all those kinds of people. But when you dig into that, Howard Stern is very, very honest about the whole thing. He's basically saying that he wants to get Van Halen in the studio to talk about the future touring and the live album and all that kind of stuff. And everyone is on board except Dave. And he doesn't know what happened. He said that he was willing to go on the air for Dave in 2006 to promote his radio show, but Dave won't talk to him. Yeah, it's the whole thing's a big mystery. And this came out of the previous episode where we were wondering when the last time Dave was actually on Howard Stern and what the story was. And then we saw this uh, and uh, if Howard doesn't know about it, I mean, it is just yet another mystery. It's Dave holding a grudge. What did it come down to? Yeah. Very odd. And at first you'd go, well, it's because Howard Stern had Billy Mira doing the impressions of Dave. But no, Billy Mira was liked by Dave. That's something that I uncovered right. talking to Billy Mira and then listening to one of Dave's radio shows. You know, he does it one of his like, it's not Billy Mira, it's me, Dave. Like he did one of those kinds of things. So he was very aware of that. I don't think he was offended by the Billy Mira prank phone calls that he used to do calling up as Dave to get booked and whatnot. <laughs> Billy Mira, his impression. I was thinking we could have a DLR episode where we have Billy Mira. <laughs> as Dave, but as woke Dave. Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know how Dave does the the pop culture references and threes thing 
Right, right, yes. Like, it doesn't matter if you're Sinatra, Lady Gaga, or 2 Chains. Like, he <laughs> always throws in that modern reference. Right, right. But I was thinking if it were woke, Dave, like, he was talking about all the political causes that he was supportive of as woke, right, Dave. Right. <laughs> to show that he read current events, that could be good. But I've spoiled the joke nonetheless, if so. Oh, you reminded me here is that well, you reminded me here of one of the things that I really, really miss in light of the full length, the podcast interviews he's done uh, the last few, few years. Well, now it's going back several years, but he did Marin, yeah, Joe Rogan, yeah, and then there was that other guy. I don't remember the name. Scott I, Lips. Yes, yes. And uh, Debbie Millman. Okay. And my whole th- out of all those folks, listen, there was a lot of enjoyable stuff on there. It was tough to rein Dave in on stuff. I mean, the Rogan, the Rogan one, I burned up a lot of brain cells trying to follow <laughs> that along. If I remember correctly, Marin was kind of that way too. Yes. If ever there's an interviewer where who is at the top of his game, I would I want 2023 Howard Stern. I would prefer that over, say, like whatever the good old days Howard Stern people were guarding, because I mean, if there's a guy who could kind of keep him focused and also play along and be a part of it and gets Dave totally. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It would be stern. So what a shame. I mean, the things they could have talked about the last couple of years that he'd been in, you know, I mean, think of it if Dave, I don't if if it's even possible, but I mean, a couple months after Eddie passing, Dave reflecting on that on Howard Stern, right? Dave talking about, well, good Lord. I mean, talking about, uh, Geez, the last few years going on there talking about the comic, right? The the yeah. digital comic, talking about <laughs> my 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 dream come true, talking about the John Five songs that we got a little taste of, half an album's worth, right? Yeah. I mean, the if if nothing else, I think we should start calling these episodes "Opportunities Lost Part Four, <laughs> Part Five, Part Six. Because as fans, we say this all the time, it drives us crazy. But so it also what we don't know and what we would love to know, but also the fact that this stuff makes so much damn sense to do. Yeah, I'm I'm going to argue, but into what you're saying here, that we don't know anything from about 1985 forward. And by that, I mean, okay, so we know that he was going to make the crazy from the heat film with CBS studios, but you and I as entertainment people know that when one studio wants to make your movies, that means that there was a bidding war or other people were interested. So it wasn't a journey overnight where they said, we're making the movie. That means that there was negotiations and meetings happening. So it also means that how did he go from I'm in Van Halen to I have a solo deal with Warner brothers. There were meetings there too. And we know 0% of any of the inner workings of that. We know some of the way of how we found the Sheehan, Bissonette, Steve Vai band, but it's very little known that there was a drummer before Greg Bissonette. Right. We know Speaking- from this podcast that Jesse Harms was asked to be the keyboard player before Brett Tuggle came in. But there's so much meat on the bone that could be talked about from 1985 forward with Dave. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, a couple things. We could talk about it later, but there was a little bit of news uh, this week. There's uh, Steve Vai. Uh, this came from uh, via a couple of websites. It's Steve Vai talking about doing the solos on Skyscraper. Sky Skyscraper, excuse me. Yeah. That they were basically and and that Greg Bissonette came in with knuckle bones that he didn't write it. That Greg came in 
And he and and this is all predicated because Vi put out this really cool record called Vi Gash, where it was a bunch of songs he did in like '92 or so with yeah. a motorcycle riding buddy, and who and this guy sang lead. And I believe that guy passed away, and but it all it's it's the type of guitar that he was doing back when through the '80s, yeah. and so that brought up it's like it, it that's kind of where I'm going with all this is that. You know, he was rocking out on this Vi Gash thing, similar to what he was doing with Eat Him and Smile. And he talks about so Skyscraper. And, uh, you know, just a quick note here that Ted Templeman didn't want any doubling of the solos in Eat Him and Smile, but wondered whether that was the case even on Skyscraper if I was a producer. Vi indicated not as much, obviously, but with Skyscraper, Dave and I were just really forensic because it was his first production out- outing. He's got great ears and all, but we probably lacked being producers that made... We, and all, but we probably lack being producers that made rock and roll records as a career. It's different. Ted Temple was just like, all right, let's go. And he knew how to capture something. But Dave had been doing that for so long, he wanted to navigate to something different differently. And my guitar solos, and he talks about how Dave liked all the demos, the solo demos, and that's yes. what they used. Who knew? I didn't know that. And again, this brings up your point. And we can talk about the last podcast uh, episode that came out two days ago, where it's Dave uh, weaving in a story that's about going to the Amazon with with his bodyguard Eddie, and then his nick the nickname for Edward Van Halen. And I was thinking about this again when I listened to the podcast episode, and that is you're right. You totally clued into this because all the stories are all pre eighty five. Yes. And it why why you have so much cool stuff to talk about. Now, granted, he's he's done some other things where you know that's the podcast of it. Most of the stuff it's usually, you know, the paintings was current when he was doing press for that. Right. But, and same with the comic and, and the, and the erstwhile uh, tattoo cream company. Yeah. So if it's something where he decides he wants to talk about, but ongoing all this, all the content for the most part, like I was thinking he was talking about this new podcast episode talks about for whatever reason, I can't even remember now. Uh, and it's only two days ago. Well, I listened to it again this morning, actually, I should say. The story, stuff about the, in Japan, air rifles. Yeah. That somehow dovetailed into a story about being in Florida. I can't remember how he exactly transitioned there. But I was thinking, I'm like, okay, the story took place, he's referencing when he was with Van Halen. And I got to yes. thinking, the guy lived in Japan for two years. We saw lots of video and lots yes. of content. I have still to this day no idea what his fascination was with an Iron Man mask. If you yeah. remember those photos on the website of Dave in various parts of Tokyo, I believe, with an Iron Man mask with Russ with him. Russ went to Japan. Yes. Tell us stories about that. We got a little taste of it when he did that weird Yakuza movie. Yes. And very and some and some different video podcasts from that era, but it's very fleeting. It's very hit or miss. I went off way on a tangent. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> no, it you're you're echoing what I'm saying about meat on the bone, and that ties in with another thing that was given by a listener of ours, Mike Schmore, who's been a devoted, wonderful listener, and he corrected us and he went, "Oh, Mustang Sally, that video is old." That was on a Roth show. <laughs> so a lot of it did look familiar. Yeah. And uh, he because my criticism was I was saying that was so well edited and well done. How is that going on? Yet Dave's team has all these tech problems. Well, that would be because it was probably edited by Shelly Toscano, who is Dave's video editor for somewhere between three and five years from what I have gathered from direct and indirect sources it didn't end well 
Um, she is still working. Uh, she does great work. You could find Shelly Toscano's work online and on television and all that. And she is not loving the Diamond Dave camp. But the key is that is, the reason why that looks great is that was in the era when Dave had various people on his staff. I asked somebody who's in the know in Dave's camp from the last couple of years. I said something about, well, his team, blah, 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 blah. And they said, there is no team. Right. So I think he's less staffed than he was a couple of years ago or in the Van Halen era or the ink, the ink, the original era. So right. there's less going on. And I mentioned that because that podcast episode that went up that we're talking about with the Amazon story and the Van Halen, Florida, Japan, weird story. The first time I listened to it, I remembered it was something like 17 minutes and it had two stories. And then oh, I, it went it went up twice. It went up twice on YouTube. Yes, it did. So, it went up early that morning, and then later on because I noticed the video was completely different. And then the version that went up on Spotify was like twenty four minutes, and there was a third story in there. So yet again, the Dave Camp <laughs> can't shoot straight. <laughs> Correct. Uh, and by the way, they did not say codfish once. <laughs> just just for the record, so. It's this puzzling thing of what's going on that they have these tech glitches on everything they put out. It's like they don't they have this excellent content. I think this was the greatest episode that Dave has put out yet. I think that this story had insight we never heard before. Like, I didn't know that Eddie's nickname was Vard. Did you know that? That sounded vaguely familiar. He might have brought that up in another podcast episode, but didn't really. Uh, that really does did sound familiar. I did not know anything about his grandmother with with yeah. oversized Nike shoes that couldn't make it through the Miami concert. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, there <laughs> there were some new details in the Ed in the Amazon story because we've heard the um, I've always wanted to go to Africa part from Big Ed. We've heard that story before. Right. But we didn't I don't remember hearing the part about the tribal chief or how they drink in South America. Right. Working class parts versus that. I don't remember that. No, either. It sounds like he's reading it. Mm -hmm. And there's and the his co-host has wasn't with him either. Correct. So I I'm still sticking to my guns that this is from the original memoir and this is cutting room floor stuff. And that's why we're not getting any stories of stuff that happened after, say, 96. Wow. So the theory Jones over here. Yes. No, but it makes sense. I was thinking this morning when I was listening to it again, and that is, OK, this was posted two days ago. When was it actually recorded? I, I think now we have another listener who comments on our stuff and she says, well, I think that these are new recordings, just old stories. And I'm with her on that, okay. that that the first episode that he posted, I was saying this sounds like it's old because of this. But then he did reference because like when he was talking about Kanye West, he wasn't referencing the cancellation stuff. He was just passively saying his name. But then there was another story where he mentioned something that had just happened, a current event thing. Right. I remember that. So um, he's banking material, but I think he is recording new stuff in Studio B or whatever of Henson. Well, speaking speaking of this is a good segue into speaking of when things were done. Yeah. And why the hell they were done. <laughs> um, 
a, two weeks ago, Dave put out a 45 second video of him dancing along to a Kendrick Lamar song called All Right. Yes. So my thought is, I was don't know a lot about Mr. Lamar's work. <laughs> I know a few of his songs, but I went back and saw that this was, it was a huge song from his 2015 record. Yeah. So when do you think the the 45 seconds were cut? (laughs) Some of the clothing looks familiar. I asked, I asked my source and he thinks it's very recent and new. Uh, That's good. In that case, he looks healthy. (laughs) And then somebody else that I once asked, I had a question on it, and I don't know if I mentioned this on air, and it's a different person that I asked about something. I said, is it true that Dave's house is a hoarder's paradise? And they said, no, it's not. He doesn't keep a lot of stuff. His dance room, which is where that was filmed, which we've seen in a lot of footage over the years, they said it's totally open because he's always dancing and moving around. And that's why he's always in such good shape. We do see a lot of his, a lot of different places in his house. We've certainly seen the backyard and various videos and no holds barbecue. So YouTube, you know how recommends and feeds you stuff. And so watching something on YouTube a week or so ago, I stumbled across the video where he's in a blue shirt and white pants and he's doing the, and he's, basically talking and doing the sword, the sword exercises, I think. Yeah. And, and there's a beautiful room he's in. I'm assuming that's his house. It looked different than the dance room. And that was probably, I think it was 10 or 11 years ago. Uh, maybe if I remember correctly. So there's still so much video stuff out there, which brings in an interesting comparison. He was doing a lot of really cool stuff. The first iteration of the Roth show Here's the difference I just remembered. And God, please, I know folks will correct me. The first time I heard the episode, uh, the new episode, okay? Yeah. There was no Roth show theme at the beginning. Correct. The second yeah. time I heard it, there was. Was it the where, the listen to it? And yeah. then I didn't. I, okay, so here's the funny thing. The second time I heard it, I heard it. I got to go back. So I listened to it on my Player FM app this morning. The first yeah, two, the first totally correct. The Good first memory. two times I heard it was on YouTube. Yes. The day it came out. The second time, wasn't there the Where is David Lee Roth song? Yes. Was the theme song. I did a double take because for a minute, I'm like, did I click on an old video? And then that just got me into what the fuck mode. I love that song. I said a couple of weeks ago that I would, that's a great theme song for this. Where is David Lee Roth? We're all asking that question. It's a cool tune. It's campy. It's fun. It rocks a little. Why isn't he using that again? And then there's this whole mystery of this three different versions of, of the Where's David Lee Roth uh, um, theme song on the new podcast episode. My, my head's starting to hurt, Darren. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, I just, some. <laughs> Every time he posts something, you have more questions than answers. So if you look at all the questions that we probably had around episode three, (laughs) I think think we now have four times more questions. We have less clarity about where he is and what he's doing. From, From what I hear, he's in Pasadena. From what I hear, he's not retired and he is sniffing around and doing stuff professionally and personally and active. Yeah, well, look, look at all the stuff at Henson Studios, recording yes. 15, 15 Van Halen covers. But how are there no paparazzi photos of him? Because, okay, the Kardashians allegedly, because I don't want to be sued, allegedly 
tip off paparazzi to let them know where they are so they're conveniently photographed. But when that LAX thing happened back in May of 2022, they weren't that shocked that Dave was there. So meeting somebody at the airline or the terminal went, Citing here he is because that Johnny Depp trial we learned about how TMZ tips off its people in the field right There's people whose beat is LAX or this airport sure sure but all right wouldn't there be people whose beat is Henson Studios because there's always A-list celebrities there I mean I've never been to Henson Studios so I'm not exactly sure what the I mean maybe you can get in virtually undetected you know what I mean I began if I would bet you if, is there underground parking maybe you know what I'm saying no, no? I, okay I know from looking at different people who've worked with Dave <laughs> who posted photos of themselves oh there's a parking lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well yeah when, so when I, it comes I'm to pop how he's under the radar with all this because everyone knows where his house in Pasadena is everyone knows he's at Henson they know which record store he goes to yet he's so under the radar um Okay, a couple things. The omnipresent baseball hat and sunglasses will hide. That's some easy incognito work. The other thing is when it comes to paparazzi, it's going to sound sound cruel. They don't care. He's not a Kardashian. It's not like Blabbermouth has a stringer out there take do you know doing photos, right? True. I don't think they. I don't think at this point, he's a sixty nine year old, sixties uh, you know late sixties lead singer who said he was retired and do you know what i'm saying i mean normally i'd say yes to that but there's a lot of paparazzi footage over the years of eddie at the farmer's market in la and places like that so the paparazzi regularly went after him or maybe he just went to the public well, kind of places well eddie he did do that but eddie was also for a while kind of a re recluse you know, I mean, he yeah. was out out of the spotlight. You know, an Eddie sighting was a very rare thing, for di for a lot of different reasons, especially coming after that. What was it? That horrible two thousand one uh, Sammy Hagar reunion tour when he was it yeah. was like the pinnacle of him, unfortunately, being a real mess. So when you saw him out and about again, it was like, whoa, that was kind of big news, right? I mean, true. And then before that, there was those oddball sightings, like the backyard party doing a Billy Idol cover song. Where I was like, "Oh my god, yes. this is this is this is making me nervous," you know? Yes. Well, well, can, let's steer it in a in a nice positive direction again because I derailed us. Okay. <laughs> I, if it's not you, it's me. <laughs> you mentioned the Steve Vai stuff. A uh, Greg Bissonette's YouTube videos. Wow. Uh, there was two of them. There's one that went up, I think, on Drum World or one of the drummer channels of him showing how to play Hot for Teacher and talking about the Gene Krupa influence of it and oh, how wow. his version is different than Alex's. And then there's the one of show, him showing different things of how he played on Eat em and Smile. And the drum tone sounds exactly like the record. Uh, he looks effortless when he's playing that really complex stuff. Wow. Yeah, I would encourage you. Uh, I'll check that out. I would encourage everybody. I found it just doing a David Lee Roth search like I normally do, but it was on this website, Sleaze Rocks. And of course, they it's basically it came from and they do credit some uh, a, a UK. It was an interview for Vi for a UK website, Eon Music. So that's how it came across. It. And that's I mean, I love 
hearing and talking from anybody and hearing stuff about about the music, which is why eventually we will have the premiere of the David Lee Roth song Orama. <laughs> if, if there's not news, that's I think the direction we're going to have. To go. <laughs> there was some news here between all that, and then Ramses Rios, who we've talked about, put up, or I'm sorry, he's about to put up. I think I'm spoiling, but I was told I was allowed to spoil. He's going to be putting up within the next few days a new animation video on his mojo dojo youtube channel awesome i was thinking and i think you've told me this before but shine a little love which i absolutely love that song yes um and, and that's a great version by the way i mean if you really really listen to that it's energetic it's upbeat dave's voice fits perfectly for what was essentially i mean it was an elo song for starters yes. and it was right the height of the disco era it was kind of a rock and sort of disco track so you know i mean uh and so what i was what i'm getting at here is that he has got to have the blessing for Dave to put this stuff up. Maybe because it stays up. I'm not getting a clear answer. I full disclosure. I text with Ramses and he likes the Jean-Claude Van Damme dancing scene from kickboxer. And I asked him a question about son Risa Salvaje. He's very patient with me. <laughs> one thing I don't want to ask him is so are you hearing from the Dave camp? Because I don't I don't want to spoil it from for anyone. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I right. you know what I'm saying well, uh, he, he does in that world. He does great work. And I would probably be uh, you know, at one point I was probably responsible maybe a third of the total spins on that YouTube video. So <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about it because uh, Francis Valentino played drums on those May sessions for Dave and the May right. gig that we know he did. He's currently touring with the Matthew Curry band. And I recently interviewed Matthew Curry and I was thinking of, hey, I'll go see him at the Iridium in New York City and I'll get some photos with Francis. But then I thought about it. Wait, if photos of me with Francis come out, Dave's camp is not going to be happy Let's keep a distance here. <laughs> I have to assume that, uh, although Codfish has not been said on the the Roth show yet, and I do like his work. I'm just I'm just taking that policy right there of you've crossed the line about twelve times. Don't make it thirteen. Yeah, and and by the way, just a cursory look. For goodness sakes, that shiny little love video barely has two thousand, not even two thousand plays on YouTube. So, god damn it. Give a listen if you haven't heard it. I, yeah, I don't know why the paint mixer video has more. <laughs> paint mixer's a good joke. I get that. But Shine a Little Love is fantastic. I mean, I just believe in shining a little light on what's a what's a really cool body, body of solo work that, for the most part, is neglected, for starters, by Dave. Do, wait, so you want to shine a little light on Shine a Little Love? Well, sure. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, just in general, when we, you know, when yeah. we do the David Lee Roth uh, song Orama, which is what I'm calling it, for lack of a better uh, hackneyed, funny attempt at yeah. trying to name it something cool. Um, but again, that's kind of what we originally started talking about nearly three years ago. It's like, you know, he hasn't been active with new music, but 
damn, we we like these records, and so did so do the yeah. people we talk to and have on, and and there is more than Eat 'Em and Smile and Skyscraper, and then there's all this other stuff which we're just dying to find more about, whether it's Shine a Little Love, you know, the the songs in No Holes Barbecue, for instance, right? Yeah, the, the snippets that yeah, which Shine a Little Love was in there, um, and then and then of course the John Five stuff, which. We, we've got a half an album out there, as I was saying several months ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's Van Halen covers, which I really don't have any interest in. Uh, right now, I'll take anything. I, I suppose. Yeah. Beggars can't, hope, poppers can't be choosy. <laughs> yeah. I'm really hoping some of the rumored stuff that's been worked on forever does come out. There, There is stuff that's completed. There's stuff that's been rumored from the archives but the pace at which they're doing this stuff makes me skeptical to think that it's even ever going to happen i kind of go back and forth about all that kind of stuff uh, oh by the way i tried to unlock a mystery um, I did not i did not uh, succeed but i'll tell you what happened um so i interviewed glenn matlock from the sex pistols because sure record coming out in april and the noel monk book he talks about how the reason he got the Van Halen tour management gig was Warner Brothers went, well, you can handle the Sex Pistols. Therefore, you can handle Van Halen. Here's the job. I asked Glenn about that. He, he didn't know really anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that he was his tour manager? He said he was pretty much out of the group by the time Noel really came into the fold. Because if it. you remember, Glenn co-wrote that Sex Pistols album, and he played bass on one or two tracks. But Sid was brought into the band, but then it turned out Sid couldn't play bass. Right, just Steve right. Jones playing bass on top of the Sid tracks. But then they lost all the records to say who produced each session. So yeah. that's... It, it says produced by so-and-so and or so-and-so. <laughs> I mean, I almost consider us as sort of like audio and internet sleuthing and audio archaeologists because what, especially if Van Halen's any example, you will not see a remastered version with extra tracks or demos of Skyscraper or Eat em and Smile. Do you know what I mean? With bonus tracks and remastered and all that stuff. You won't see it. You won't see it, but we do know at this point in time that there were extra tracks cut for A Little Ain't Enough. And yep. I believe extra tracks were cut for Skyscraper as well. Then, you know, God, Dave what I give to hear cut, that stuff. He does cut more than he puts out. Hence why She's My Machine was originally tracked before uh, Your Filthy Little Mouth. Right. So... You know, that's just yet another mystery thing. And, oh, speaking of the your filthy little mouth era, we did have a number of people write in to the show and say, because I was, I was trying to put out the theory that we think that Dave was down to clubs, yet there was that stuttering John Instagram post about how he played with Cheap Trick and Dave, and it was right. at a amphitheater. Right. So the people were offering different things going, yes, Dave played at a club here. Yes, he played at an arena or amphitheater thing here. It was really an odds or ends kind of tour. It wasn't just clubs like the narrative says that, hey, he went from arenas to clubs from 91 to 94. And then if I can add to that, then somebody wrote in um, the Instagram account holder of the dot mighty dot van dot Halen. <laughs> 
which is an excellent account, which really is about the first six years, then wrote in about how Stuttering John's substitute taught their kid in school. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the things that get uncovered. So what that taught me was that people actually are listening this far into the episodes of our show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, to, to kind of recap that all, you know, Dave is active. We still don't know what's going to come out, when it's going to come out, if he's going to play again. But we do know from that original lineup that Steve Vai can still play. Right. <laughs> can still play. They all can still play. You know, Billy Sheehan is, I think he recently announced that Mr. Big is, is going to be reforming with a new drummer. Plus he's out there with the winery dogs. So right. he's Which, still out on the road. Yeah. I'm a huge winery dogs fan. And that new album is just, it might be their best yet. It's I love, I, I've got a short list and maybe it's another episode sometime but I've got a short list of people I would love to ha see Dave write and play guitar with. And Richie Kotzen's one of them. Oh, yeah. Kotzen is, I'm going to say underrated. That oh, he's a triple threat, man. The guy's got an amazing voice. He's an amazing yeah. guitar player. He plays keyboards, yeah. uh, plays piano. And, well, shoot, he plays, you know, drums He uh, and bass as well. I mean, there's been albums where he played every instrument, his solo stuff. When I had the pleasure of interviewing him five or six years ago, I asked what he does when he's not playing music. And he says he builds stuff. He was building his deck. So I, I'm going to say quadruple threat. I can't. Build a deck. <laughs> Can you build a deck, Steve? No, I can't build a deck. <laughs> no, I remember once reading Les Claypool was talking about building his deck. So I guess you're either born with zero talents or six when you're one of these virtuoso players. I, I would have a feeling that Steve Vai could build a deck. Oh, I, I would think so. I mean, if you can build a if you can build a state of the art recording studio, I'm sure you can do things with lumber as well. Yeah, I would not think that Michael Anthony could build a deck. Mm, he looks like he could. I think that he would have the crew on payroll to build the deck. I, I don't know. He always, you know, he, <laughs> back, he, those early van. He looked like, you know, he his day job was uh, was driving a liquor truck or something. You know, he was he oh. was. Back when, back when I'm saying, do you know what I mean? It's like, he looks like, he looks like his real last name. Okay. I would say Alex Van Halen. He could build a deck. Man, that, yeah, he could build a deck. <laughs> so I, I think you have to wonder with a lot of your favorite artists, would they build the deck or would they hire the crew to build the deck? Mm. And looking at the original Edom and Smile band, they are all ready to do this. And I think that's one of the questions when you they're talk. They're all active. They're all playing. Vi's been out on the road with his, you know, we've created this crazy ass Hydra guitar, put out an amazing yeah. record. Uh, the touring, if you follow him, his Instagram is really interesting. Uh, he was touring Europe for a while. So he's out there. Sheehan's with the Winery Dogs. Bissonette, I mean, with the whole the whole Ringo Starr thing. The whole Ringo Starr thing got derailed thanks to COVID, and, yeah. and Ringo's 82, for goodness sake, so he can't risk going out there, I guess. But he's still playing. He's still doing stuff. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's he's active. He's playing. He, you're my, right. My favorite Bissonette thing is that, <laughs> that and this it's hyperbole to say your favorite, but my favorite Bissonette and Roth-related thing with that whole era is that when you're listening 
to friends if you're watching friends on syndication the crappy music between the scenes is most likely greg bissonette matt bissonette and rocket rashad right yeah <laughs> three roth band members isn't that crazy <laughs> that crappy sitcom all over the world so people all over the world are listening to skyscraper eat them and smile <laughs> and to take it a couple steps take it a couple steps further when you think about it the odds are really good that one of dave dave's groupies kids probably slept with david arquette okay dave may have slept with somebody who babysat for courtney cox i bet that just keeping this whole hollywood circle going um yeah. there's i would guarantee you dave you know, did Coke with someone who might be related to Matthew Perry, who uh, certainly allegedly. did a lot of blow, allegedly. allegedly. So, you know, there's Should there's David. Right. What we're saying is there's there's David Lee Roth stuff all over Friends. <laughs> and, and then the number of interviews that I've done in the last two, three years where I just, you know, throw in a David Lee Roth question uh, rudely or abruptly. I, I'll tell you about one of them in a minute. But um a lot of them come back to, yes, one time I was at Crazy Girls, blah, 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 blah. And luckily that's in the, the pre-cell phone era. But the, the number of nights that he seemed to have been at Crazy Girls with an A-list celebrity, it makes you wonder if everybody has that David Lee Roth story. Like, I heard a really good Burt Kreischer one recently on a podcast, and Burt is one of the biggest comics ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, if if you like comedy and you're of over a certain age you go i've never heard of that and if you're under say if you're under 50 you'd go yeah that guy plays arenas all over the states and is now going overseas and is huge so kreischer has a really good roth story jay moore has roth stories you so just the comedy world too i love jay i love jay moore the even kevin pollock said he does the best christopher walken impersonation um i'm a big jay moore fan i'm, I'm kreischer i dig and i you just remind me of something what I would love to see Dave do with a podcast is if he could be disciplined enough. It didn't really work too well on the radio show, but that was then I'd like to see him interview folks and, the, and virtually any musician, any rock person. And, and you, I would love to see him chatting it up with stand-up comedians. Cause if you're a stand-up comedian yes. over 45, you were cranking a Van Halen record with Dave on it. Right. I mean, and there's so much crossover in the music as far as being on stage as a musician and being on stage, you know, especially for a lead singer, you have to keep that crowd's attention, right? You have to, there's a lot of, there's being in front of the audience. There's some similarities, right? I mean, to stand up, to stand up comedy, especially when, you know, both, if you're a lead singer, depending on the lead singer, you're, you're both writing, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, a comic will go off and write a bit. David Lee Roth goes in the back of his Mercury and drives around and comes up with the lyrics for uh, for Jump. For so, jump, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So wouldn't it be cool if he was doing interviews? Because all those A-lists would probably this is a world where people do stuff now. You know, 25 years ago, there was, there was always folks who had some mystique and stuff. Right. But yeah. for the most part. So many folks. I mean, there's some uh, sure there's a lot of old school folks who who stay away from most from social media a bunch of stuff like that but for the most part these folks are out there right actors musicians they're interfacing yeah. with fans they're they're if they're not podcast guests they're doing their own podcast for goodness sake um i don't know vince vaughn but i would bet you that vince vaughn would be on a david lee roth podcast in a heart that, 
that would I, I would have a hernia. I'd be laughing so hard. I would bet that Judd Apatow in a heartbeat would be <laughs> on a David Lee Roth podcast. Sandler Sandler put Van Halen in probably eight movies. You know, he's wearing the old school Van Halen logo and the wedding singer. And it has that big iconic joke to it. In other words, he has so many celebrity fans that would go, oh, I've never met him. I, I'd be glad to sit with him for two hours and have my ear talked off and or answer a couple of questions from Dave. So I think that that is one of the biggest missed opportunities of him not having a podcast where he's talking to fellow famous people. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking too, you could look at the, you could pick off a ton of people off the first 15, 18 years of Saturday Night Live from that cast yeah. would be telling would hell probably party with Dave in New York for goodness sakes. And would have a great time with him. Party or on not, a podcast, on a podcast party or not. What I'm getting at is he knows everything when he chooses to read and learn about a topic. But if he has that second person in the conversation, then it's interesting. It, I don't want to learn about the history of Haiti and the softball manufacturing company in Haiti unless there's a second and or third person in the conversation with him. It's it's just it's like a college professor lecture the way that he did a couple of those podcast episodes. But if he was talking about that with Wyclef Jean from Haiti. <laughs> OK, right. there you go. Exactly. Yes. And when he's talking about going to South America, if it was him and Rodrigo E. Gabriela, <laughs> or like a South American artist who can add content or, or something like that. Perfect. And with Tom on the third mic or the fourth mic, great. Tom seems to be able to edit or guide it or moderate it really well. Right. He does. Yeah. When he's given Tom, the opportunity to, he does. His audio quality is fantastic. The way that he mixes Dave, Dave's voice he clearly knows what he's doing. It's just you need that editor in the room to keep it moderated, to keep it concise. Right. So, keep it going in one direction. So I don't know if they listen to our feedback or other people's feedback, but that last episode that he got, technical errors aside, was the best episode they'd ever done. And of, yeah. And depending on which ep which version you listen to, it was somewhere between 17 and 24 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So if they could do more of that, yes, I'll tolerate that everything in Dave's life happened before 1996. <laughs> but apparently. But I, I think that there's just so much meat on the bone that we don't know about. And I think that he could have 100 episodes alone of correcting other people's stories. Oh, easily. I was thinking, too. I mean, here's for so many good reasons. Large. So much is unknown about. And I'm not saying you can you can do this tactfully. You don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be too have too much revisionist history about it. But I'd or 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 air any dirty laundry. But I would love to hear about the reunion. Yeah. Because there were times where he did talk about things, and and I I, I got to find the interview. I actually printed it out, I folded it up, and it stuck in my Edom and Smile book. And it was from I want to say, maybe it was Vulture or maybe it was Los Angeles Mag. It was it was kind of a lifestyle mag. And there's pictures of Dave with road cases out on his on the on a brick patio in the Pasadena home. 
And it was somewhere after the, it was somewhere between 2007 and, and 2012. And I'll pull it up and I'll find it. I mean, I'm, it's upstairs. I, I can't, but I, cause I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever find this link again. I'm pr printing this, this, this article, this interview out really full length in depth. And he said, his hope was that you know, he basically alluded to the fact that with the reunion and writing a record, we're not going to go back in and go to an island and woodshed and write. Basically, like, you know, like it's not going to be a Mick and Keith thing. You know, it yeah. never was. I wish it was. Uh, and it's not going to be. And well, I was like, there's some insight on how they do this. I have to interrupt here because it's funny you should mention that because there was another thing. USA Today article, I think the 2010, 2011 one, where he was talk talking about how he was eager to do that exact thing and how Konashiki, the Japanese sumo wrestler who makes the cameo in Tokyo Story, offered up his home in Hawaii. That yeah. if he wanted to write there, he would do that. Yeah, you've told me that before. Yeah, but, <laughs> but so it sometimes you don't know what the, the story is with the whole thing, but you know, Dave could do an episode or two about how the Rolling Stone article that that the writer Blair put out was wrong or this was wrong of it. He could do a thing or two about how Sammy Hagar stopped lying. <laughs> did you see the <laughs> Sammy Hagar headline a day or two ago about how Metallica still owes him $200? Are you kidding me? I somehow fortunately missed that. That he bet Metallica in the late 80s that their record was going to go platinum and they they said it wouldn't and he said it would and therefore you own $200. <laughs> he remembers every petty little thing, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You, you got me thinking, too. I mean, like, I'm there's a point in a part two where I'm glad uh, where I'm glad Dave over the decades didn't bother to respond to that stuff. It was too ticky tacky, too petty. I mean, he the slagging, the back and forth. I mean, he had good motive too because he wanted to be back in Van Halen, but yeah. he seemed to be. I think for a lot of folks, it was just kind of above the fray. You know, these folks are just going to talk themselves out. It doesn't even bother. It's 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 not on my radar. I don't care. You know. Yeah. And a lot of us fans are going, dude, come on, man. You know, but that's the world we live in. It is confrontational. You want if somebody's going to start an argument. You want the person they're trying to start an argument with to argue back at you, right? I mean, but I, I don't think we'll ever see Dave do that. And in kind of a way, I'm glad. You know what? Don't be that guy. I think that there's a way to re respond to things, yet keep it classy or positive. And when you think about it, the Sam and Dave tour, the only perspective we've ever gotten was Sammy's and Michael Anthony's perspective. Right. Thing. Yeah. Never got Dave's. Yeah. So we never heard about Dave's disappointment over the fact that the tour was supposed to go 18 or so months and go overseas uh, and how that derailed a rumored reality show for VH1. We, we never heard about any of that. And I think that there's a way of without him going, screw you, Sammy, screw you. Sam. I think there's a way of him going. That tour was so much fun. It was great to put it on the line every night and show who was the better singer. Our band was on fire because also from that tour, Dave recorded, you could find this on YouTube, a live in Hartford video that looks like a fully produced DVD that never came out. What's Amazing. the story with that? Right. Yeah. So, you know, yet again, you just have so many questions. And even if he did episodes that were mailbags, 
where he took in questions and he selected what he was and wasn't comfortable with answering that. Hey, I'll listen to that. Have Tom read the letters pre-selected before recording, of course, Mm -hmm. and riff off from there. Yeah, that way he can avoid the things he doesn't want to talk about. So I think we've just given him 100 to 200 episodes between rebuttals, interviewing people, and mailbags. That's that's why the title of this episode, I've already come up with while we're recording it, recording it Musings, Missed Opportunities, and More. There's always more. <laughs> I like the alliteration. <laughs> there. And none of that would have to be negative. No. None would have to be really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. And there he would have his daily radio show if he wanted to do his daily radio show. And he would be pleasing the diehards and maybe making some new fans in the process of all that. At least for the moment, he's committing to putting out more content. Sick of that word. But do you know what I'm saying? The, the, since the relaunch of the podcast has been fairly regular. Yeah. And but they're just 20, 25 minute episodes. And there's it, been a couple 40 minute ones, but still no. I mean, that's good. That's a good. Those are good snack size. So he, knowing how Dave is a work ethic oriented person, he could go to Henson. He could tape four 30 minute episodes in one sitting. Yeah. Tom could then add two to eight minutes of audio sweetener to the whole thing. And he has his 30 to 40 minute episodes and he just tapes a whole week. Kind of like how you tape the prices, right? Episodes, a right. bunch of them on one sitting. He does that right there. Once a week, uh, save some money on the whole thing. Like he doesn't have to do the whole eight hour buyout on the studio. Right. And why schlep back and forth from Pasadena for goodness sakes? Um, I'm assuming he's recording all these podcast episodes at Henson. Yes. Yeah. Or at least that's what he disclosed on that. And it's the similar audio. You know, he he supposedly has a recording studio in his house, but it's not more than a rehearsal studio. OK, I don't know. I, I'm I've not tried to hop over the fence to get in there. Uh, right. To be very clear. <laughs> it makes sense for the guy who spent a quarter million dollars, supposedly on a version of Ice Cream Man, spent untold thousands of dollars on a, on a video that never was released, a full length, you know, mini movie, No Holds Barbecue. Why not when you can record a, a podcast in a closet, for goodness sakes, and have decent audio or yeah. or, you know, have one guy in Long Island, one guy in the Midwest, for goodness sakes, and have fairly decent audio. And I hardly know what I'm doing when it comes to editing and mixing. Yeah. Go full tilt, man. Go into Henson Studios at God knows how many hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, and again, Dave, these ideas are for free. We're, <laughs> we're not asking for points or anything like that. Just say codfish, and we'll know. <laughs> again, with the codfish. <laughs> are we getting out of here or what? <laughs> yeah, we, we, can, we can wrap it. But, uh, you know, stay tuned, and thanks to everyone for tolerating and listening and giving the feedback. And if there's anything we were wrong about, please tell us, and we'll clue you in on the next episode that we listened and we care. And be sure to follow the Paltrowcast on YouTube. There's always good stuff. The unboxing stuff is is, is awesome. You flatter. That is the wife's uh, territory right there. And thank you, wife. It's very cool. <laughs>